The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Are you feeling blue after using your dating app? Well, apparently you're not alone. And forget about terrorism. Your dating app is a threat to national security. What about the sex trade uh, showing the risks of facial recognition technology? So it's not all good news tonight when it comes to technology and sexuality, but it is our sex tech feature coming up. After 10.15, Dr. Jason Behrman will join me to uh, take an in-depth look at these topics. But first... Let's take a look at the inbox. Make a connection anytime at 514-800. You can also send me your questions anytime to laurie at drlaurie.com. We were wondering what the relationship between sexual dysfunction and stress would be. My boyfriend and I are under a lot of stress right now and our sex life is suffering. He can't seem to keep his erection going. We've gone to the doctor and there's nothing wrong physically. Does stress or can it really affect you in this way? What can we do to help with this problem? To be fair, I'm the one that has been putting him through a lot of stress lately, well, for the past eight months. So accumulated stress over eight months, from what you're telling me, uh, yes, absolutely has an impact on, uh, on one's erectile functioning and libido. It could be that... Um, I don't know your whole situation, but it's possible that he's feeling stress, he's feeling resentment, he's feeling anger, uh, and it's very hard to feel sexual desire towards your partner when you have all of these feelings in the background. And if you don't have that, then it would be difficult to get aroused or you will lose your erection or you won't get an erection. So yes, absolutely, uh, the connection is uh, is there. There's no, no question about it that stress has an effect, both on men and women, by the way. Uh, hi, Dr. Lurie. I would like to know about sex. How to stay long in bed with my partner. As my sperm comes out in two to three minutes once I intercourse, but I don't feel I'm satisfying... I feel I don't feel satisfied or either my girlfriend. Please suggest something to stay longer in bed. So you're talking about uh, sexual stamina. You're talking about prolonging ejaculation. Uh, so the just so you know, the majority of men will ejaculate between two and five minutes of thrusting of uh, of sexual intercourse. If we're talking about heterosexual sex here, right? Um, of course, to satisfy your girlfriend, most women, 75% of them, need clitoral stimulation, which they will not get as much of through intercourse. So much to uh, the the belief of people that women, women need uh, a big penis or need men to last a really long time, for many women, it doesn't matter how long you go at it, they still won't orgasm through intercourse alone. So to be a good lover and to satisfy your partner, um, you really need to spend time 
um, with your mouth, with your hands, stimulating your partner to orgasm before you have intercourse so that the three minutes of intercourse that you provide, and if you were to count the number of thrusts that go on in three minutes, it's quite a few. Like you'd be surprised. I know three minutes doesn't sound very long, but if you were to, to, to do it in, in numbers of thrusts, you would see. Of course, the other way is for you to train yourself. So you could stop and start, but you have to be very focused on the sensations in your penis so that when you feel like you're getting to a certain point that uh, you can stop the thrusting, you can stop movement and then start up again, stop again, start again. So that's another uh, another option uh, for you. But at two to three minutes, you would not be considered a premature ejaculator. Under a minute or under 10 thrusts is what, uh, what we would uh, consider that. Um... Let's see. My wife and I are married 25 years. We're healthy. We have a good life. Our sex life is very good. But recently, she expressed the idea of going to a sex club uh, like Club Lorage. So Club Lorage is a, a swingers club, basically, in, in Montreal. Uh, doing some research, it is referred to as a swingers club. Yeah, you're right. Um, I'm 51, and she's 48. Should I be worried that she's looking for something that I'm not giving someone different, younger, or is this curiosity? Although we are not prudes, I'm not sure how comfortable I would feel going to a place like this, but I will not deny her the experience. Your opinion would be most helpful. So many couples, after they've been together a while, may start thinking about, gee, I, I, you know, it'd be fun to spice up our sex life. It would be fun to do something more adventurous. A lot of people who go to these clubs don't necessarily go to have sex with other people. They just want the experience, like the the sexy experience, the erotically charged environment. They may only want to have sex with you, but maybe in in a in, in public, in front of other people, uh, things like that. But you both have to discuss at length what it is your expectations are, what it is you are uh, looking for. And it isn't because your partner wants something different or you're not doing anything right. It's a question of spicing it up, thinking outside of the, the boundaries of, of just vanilla sex and looking at other options. If you're not comfortable with that option, it's important for you to say so. Like it's you are the other half of this relationship. So you need to feel okay with it. Now you could compromise and say, all right, look, why don't we go and just have a look? But there ha you have to have the rule <clears throat> that neither of you touch anybody else, or be touched by anybody else. And as long as you go in there with strict boundaries of what you're comfortable with, and then you debrief after that, right? You get home, you debrief, you talk about what you liked about the experience, what you didn't like, uh, what you would be ready to do again, or what you never want to do again. So these are some of the things that you would want to, um, to discuss. I've heard you on CJD many times and thought of you immediately when this issue arose. In short, while I'm always turned on by my girlfriend, I seem much less turned on when I am pleasing her orally. While I'm not greatly concerned, my girlfriend questions my attraction to her and whether she turns me on. I guess I'm trying to find out if this is normal or not. You're giving her pleasure. For some men, 
this ter- gets them wild, right? To to be able to uh, give their partner oral sex. It's something they love. For others, it's something they're doing. They don't, they feel neutral about it, just like some women um, will feel neutral about giving a man oral sex. They enjoy seeing the enjoyment on their partner, but it isn't necessarily terribly arousing uh, to them. So this is what may be happening, but it isn't because it has nothing to do with your attraction to her. It's the act itself. So you're taking the time to pleasure her and, you know, then it gets reciprocated and then you'll be aroused again. But it just may be that and your penis isn't being touched at the same time. What she could try to do, though, is I don't know, find a way to find a position where uh, she can uh, you know, stimulate you at the same time as you're stimulating her um, orally. But definitely it's not about attraction to a partner, simply a, whether this act arouses you or not, right? It may be, for example, that um, a woman likes her breasts uh touched and 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 uh, sucked on and or whatever what however touch they want but maybe you're not a breast person maybe breasts don't do it for you but you're m- very happy to oblige it may not turn you on wildly but what turns on a person is giving the other person pleasure so maybe you can explain this to your partner uh in terms of why you're doing this because you're doing this for for them because it gives them pleasure and that makes you feel good right Coming up, it is our sex tech uh, feature. Uh, first, let me just uh, run one one more text before I get that. I may have found another benefit of orgasms. It is suggested that having at least one a day releases hormones that make the skin healthier and glowy. And by the way, you're absolutely right. Uh, that's uh, one benefit of having a regular sex too. So are you feeling blue after using your dating app? Well, you may not be alone. Uh, Dr. Jason Behrman, our sex tech guy, will take this all apart and uh, give us the research and the science behind all of that. the kinks in any relationship. It's passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Are you ready to find out how the technology you use might be affecting you uh, psychologically, sexually? Well, Dr. Jason Behrman always has some words to scare us. Uh, he is a marketing and communication specialist and artificial intelligence and tech expert who joins us every month to talk about uh, the technology and how it impacts uh, sexuality. Welcome back, Dr. Jason. Oh, it's always so much fun to be here with you, Lori. Always fun having you. Even though I always walk away feeling somewhat nervous and scared about you know my phone use and social media use and everything else, but... We'll deal with that. I'll deal with my own anxieties right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> Every time I'm on the air, I, I always reiterate, uh, I'm not here to scare anybody, but it's more to inform the public of yes. social and ethical implications with common technology you use every day and yeah. uh, how it could be influencing um, the bedroom. Yeah, and I think it's important. I think mm-hmm. information, even though we, many of us, myself included, would like to bury my head in the sand and mm-hmm. pretend it doesn't exist, like those th- risks and threats don't exist, mm-hmm. but they are there. I, yeah. I, I'm fooling myself not to think uh, that it, w- it would. So 
uh, yeah, I want to uh, hear from you. We all want to hear from you. Okay. So, so tell me about dating apps. We're always talking. There's always something new coming up with dating apps, right? Okay. We're going to try to get through three topics tonight. I don't know if we'll be able to cover all of them, but whatever. That will be for next month. But to begin, I want to ask all the listeners out there, uh, please uh, call in or text in and tell us, like, are you ever feeling depressed after using your dating app? <laughs> and I want you to really stop and think, all the listeners out there, how long do you use this app on a daily and a weekly basis? Do what you a great know? Question. Can you estimate it? Do you have a vague idea? Well, there was some interesting uh, surveys that were done uh, lately um, by an organization, a not-for-profit called Time Well Spent, which I really appreciate. So it's a technology advocacy kind of group um, that advocates for the responsible use of technology oh, and also the development of technology in a way that best suits humanity. And there's another organization that. that's associated with it, which I really, really love. And I want everybody to go check it out because it pertains to this topic in particular, which is called HumaneTech.com. And we're starting to see that a lot of these apps, especially ones that are related to social networks and social media, is making like youth and adults as well kind of depressed and uh, making people feel inadequate and uh, giving a whole bunch surprised, of... not surprised, Jason. Not surprised. And, you know, what are dating apps these days? They're kind of like a very large uh, social network where you could connect with a bunch of people and have share a bunch of information and uh, message them and all that. So it's it's a it's a social network with a purpose, which is to right. be matched up with someone. Well, they um, time well spent. They did a survey of over two hundred thousand uh, iPhone users, and uh, they tracked uh, their time usage of very common apps. And then they did the survey where they asked them how good or unhappy or whatever they felt using right. that application. And the apps that came up on the top that made people feel fundamentally unhappy a lot of the time was number one, Grinder, and then in the top ten was Tinder. Wow. Okay. So this is not like um, a research study that's like peer reviewed, um, and it's but not, it's a large sample. It's a large sample, but it, it doesn't. It's it's not to be too uh, of concern because there's other um, peer reviewed research that is emerging, like study after study that is now raising similar alarm bells okay. um, in peer reviewed uh, prominent journals, and they're finding that a lot of the design tactics that go into a lot of these applications today are highly addictive, and they have a tendency to bring out negative feelings in many people. Wow. So they identified that 77 percent of users said they felt unhappy using Grinder, and they spent on average how. How long per day on this app? On Grinder. On Grinder. So this is for the gay population. This Grindr, is for guys right? who are into other guys. A day, an hour. An hour. I, I was shocked when I learned this. And I, I, I'm a gay guy. And I was like, what? <laughs> People spend an hour You're a day? You're a married day? gay guy, though. Yeah, <laughs> You're like, not on there. <laughs> but, How much? Is it an hour? Was I right? It was 61 minutes or so. Oh, wow. And... Um, yeah, and with but the some dating people app, might think that's not even all that excessive. Oh my gosh, you did like seven I mean, hour hours a week. Day. Yeah, that's true. Wow. <laughs> so Tinder, fifty-six uh, percent of people said that they were unhappy users with with the app with Tinder, which is more for pretty much everyone, right? And uh, they're finding these correlations that the longer the time you spend on these apps, it's strongly correlated with more negative feelings about yourself. Okay. And so, People so the are, message here is if you're going to use these apps, 
limit your limit your exposure. Well, that's what I wanted to conclude this segment with, but I could just jump to it right now. It's like, okay, um, everybody, this is a lesson learned, okay? So I would like all of you to just be a little bit more aware and conscientious of how you use these apps and how they make you feel. Think about it. Like, don't just be like mindless as you're scrolling endlessly through all these profiles and to, you know, question and monitor the time you spend um on that app and if it's like really draining a lot of your time uh there's many apps that that you could uh download for free that will um document the amount of time you spend on it and if it's like making you feel like weird and not that good consider um spending your time elsewise uh socializing with other people that could uh, promote a, a better connection with others and maybe um better ways to connect with others and maybe you should consider uh, a paid app instead of a free one Mm, because we'll get into why okay well i find this interesting what you're saying because the anecdotal evidence at least what the the feedback i'm getting from people Mm -hmm. is that they often go off the apps then back on the apps then off the apps then back on the apps so that's common right yeah, Just because so, they they realize, oh my god, this is making me feel like crap. Like I gotta, I gotta get out of here. Well, that's interesting that you bring that up because there's a bunch of uh, psychologists that came forward and they say anecdotal evidence, or for from like their clinical populations that they work with, they find that a lot of people go on to the apps when they're feeling vulnerable and lonely or inadequate, and then they will have some kind of like frivolous interactions with people on on uh, on the network, and then. Uh, or they will have like a bad hookup experience and then they'll date the app, but then they find that they springboard back to it and they will go through another period where they're feeling lonely, isolated or vulnerable and then go onto the app to find, you know, love, affection, connection somehow, but then feeling like disappointed, like disappointed and depressed and it's like this downward spiral. So it's not just you. It's a collection of psychologists are now coming forward. Huh. This text writes, uh, not depressed, but I feel anxiety when mm-hmm. I'm on it. When I check my messages every once in a blue moon, I just get curious to see who messaged me. When I open one of the messages and feel like the person is nice, I feel guilty unless I type something back, even though at this moment I don't feel like meeting someone new. I want to see if someone I met a while back messaged me. That happens once in a while that someone says, hey, remember me. So checking in, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess it can be a feel-good thing like, oh, somebody messaged me, but the opposite too, like, oh, nobody messaged me. Yeah, (laughs) there's like that. There's that other side to it too, right? And this is what people are saying is that – some people are coming forward and they're saying like I feel a compulsion to use the app and I uh, time flies by and I don't understand like how I just went to check a message like a notification came up and then lo and behold I'm on this app for like 40 minutes and I'm like how did that happen and so a lot of advocacy groups like the ones I described time well spent and humane technology humane tech.com they um, many people have blown the whistle that were lead designers leading designers in Silicon Valley they've come forward and they said yeah we designed these apps to make them highly addictive and we use the same technology and the same observations uh, we use to develop slot machines so a lot of these apps what it is they give you um, an unpredictable or random reward when you use them so you will get a a notification you don't know like okay what's behind that notification what's going to be there oh I have a message like what kind of message is going to be there so you know I know you're not a big TV watcher so but I want to share there's an episode there's a new season of Black Mirror I've talked to you about that right? many times I know and I'm like could you watch it for once please anyway there's one (laughs) spoiler alert but there's one where it's the story of a guy who uh, be, who gets 
who wants to who kidnaps somebody and anyway, he wants to get the attention basically mm-hmm. of the let's say the equivalent of the person who started Facebook like mm-hmm. he's part of this thing and what he was saying is he was blaming this guy for creating an app that made it so addictive that mm-hmm. even while he was driving he had to look at his app if it dinged mm-hmm. and that caused him to have a car accident which killed his girlfriend yeah so it was like it, it was just interesting because you you're talking about it exactly what we're what we're saying now it's like there is and they and the guy in there admits yes we have a whole team of people to who make them ju- who make them who find the ways to make this uh make this addictive so uh that's the scary part of of all these things our, our minds are being manipulated in such a way that we're not even Really aware. Uh, tonight, Sex Tech, our Sex Tech feature with Dr. Jason Behrman, who's a marketing communication specialist and artificial intelligence and tech expert. He can answer your questions as well. Uh, is your dating app a threat to national security? That's our next question uh, that will be answered. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Before I continue with our uh, sex tech, I just want to share a lovely uh, a lovely text I got. Hey, Doc, yesterday you gave me and my wife some great advice, had some great sex last night. Isn't that lovely to hear, isn't it? Uh, Dr. Jason Behrman is here. We're talking about, uh, we've been talking about dating apps. Of course, they... The research shows they make us not feel so good about ourselves. Uh, but a threat to national security, Jason? Really? <laughs> yeah. So it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but it's kind of serious, too. So we'll get to that. But I just want to conclude what we were talking about before with um, apps, uh, dating apps, and other apps uh, making us depressed. Mm-hmm. So one of the problems is uh, something that people are describing as a toxic business model. So all these like dating apps and social media apps, they're all free, right? Yep. But they still make a lot of money. And how do they do that? is but through targeted advertising. Right. And so it's in their best interest to get you on the app as much as possible so that your eyes are glued to whatever it is so that you could see those ads. And this is why they develop them to be highly addictive. And so we are in this race to the bottom where all these different apps are trying to grab your attention any way possible. And this is why dating apps and social media um, are constantly trying to suck you in and um it has this negative effect of uh sometimes making you quite depressed uh, and also like wasting a lot of your time now i so, haven't been on the dating apps but how does the how do the sponsored ads come up on the dating apps oh uh, you, you get them just very similar to what you would see on social media or in your your free email services kind of similar okay uh, and there's always like sponsored posts and okay yeah. so you'd have to like sift through them and mm-hmm. Until you get to to what you want. Uh Ads are everywhere. So why is uh, your dating app a threat to national terrorism? Hold on. Before we get that, I want to get to a text Uh, message who wants to share their story. Um, I go on when I'm lonely, which is what you said. Yes. Uh, I'm on and off that site. I can be off for months and still get messages, but far less than when I logged in within a few days. There are a lot of men on that site because when I log in then, the messages just keep coming in. To prevent someone being disappointed, most sites will notify by email when you 
you get a message. I have a friend who brags that she has so many messages, but she is constantly on it and replies to every person. I told her to log out for a week and she will not get so many messages since the accounts that are online get get priority views. She doesn't listen, so maybe she likes the attention or it is addictive. Maybe My she's guess a little it's addictive. addictive. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and you can get addicted to all that attention. Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, national security. Yeah, please. So, we're going back to Grindr. So, if you did not know, um, Grindr was from uh, California, the Silicon Valley, um, but uh, no more. It was uh, bought recently for many, many millions of dollars by uh, a Chinese company, a Chinese gaming company called Beijing Kunlun Tech Co- Company Limited. Only and- Grindr or Grindr and Tinder? Uh, only Grinder. Only Grinder. Okay. And so they bought it. Uh, I mean, they're, they're a game developer, so they thought uh, that it would be something profitable. So, yeah, and they've, they've had it for uh, a few years now. It was in 2000, uh, 2016 when they bought it. And now um, uh, the U.S. government body, uh, which is called the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, has uh, claimed that Grinder being owned by the Chinese now poses a national security risk. Hmm. And yeah, uh, they're saying that huh. um, the global app has over 27 million users on it throughout the world and about like 3 million daily users. And so now the user. Chinese know who everybody who's gay, basically. Or well, whoever it gets, uses it's, the... it's more than that. So on a past episode here on Passion, I sounded the alarm to everyone by saying um, there's lots of research that's coming out that shows that people are willing to divulge copious amounts of information about themselves on dating apps in particular. Like people are, are like willing to say like, pretty much uh, some some very intimate details about their lives kind of willy-nilly okay. and without any kind of thought. And some investigative journalist, for example, she asked one of these uh, companies, one of these dating apps, to uh, divulge uh, how much information they had on her as a regular user because you could do this with some laws in the European Union now. And they sent her a book that had over 800 pages of information on about, her on her from this app and so 800 oh pages goodness. and she said like the app knew more about me than i know about myself <laughs> and so the point here is is that dating apps are a way uh, it's it's you can collect a lot of information on an individual uh through a dating app and then when you have like 27 million users like that's a lot of information on a large population yes and so um there's like reports uh from the guardian and other people have said that um the American government is now pressuring um, the Chinese company to get rid of Grinder, and they have acquiesced. And they said that they plan to sell the company by uh, 2020 because there's too much pressure on them and bad press. And so they're sell claiming, it back to somebody in the states. Somebody I guess? else okay. that maybe you know Trump will find more pleasant. Oh, yes. than, maybe than Trump the China. will buy it. <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> Um, and as you know, like now, like America and China are kind of in a tit for tat on uh-huh. many levels, but especially when it comes to owning technology. And so some people are saying, like the Wall Street Journal uh, reported as well, they say um, the government's a little bit uh, nervous about the Chinese uh, having ownership of this app because they say uh, a large number of military personnel or other U.S. government employees may, so hypothetical, may use Grinder and Therefore, they could get a lot of information that could be compromising to these people, and they could use it to either blackmail them and then try to extract other kinds of information from them. Because wow. everybody knows on like these dating apps, many people are willing, uh, kind of willy-nilly, to send intimate photos and pictures say, of uh, their willy. Yes, <laughs> and other things ca- in a kind of compromised way, and this could put people in a very difficult situation. And just a few months ago, um, this is not hypothetical, but we had a very prominent Canadian politician politician that had to resign because he sent some um, 
pictures of his willy willy nilly to someone that he thought was a woman that he was flirting with online and it turned out that it was it was fake and these people were uh using it to trick him to do this and then they were trying to extort him and blackmail him right. and that was tony clement right and he had to resign you know right so exactly. this is not exactly a joke no and so, so the bottom line is uh, don't send pictures of your willy willy nilly <laughs> so i would like to um inform users uh of these popular apps it's just like be be conscientious of this uh the be careful with how you use it and what kind of information you share and divulge on it and um Another issue that I just want to raise is um, this is kind of a hypothetical, this notion that Grindr is a threat to national security. And at the end of the day, the only reason why you could ever blackmail someone um, for being on Grindr is because of like still blatant homophobia in society. Right. And right. also like if somebody sends like a PP picture through uh, like an online platform and then you use it to blackmail them, like really like a PP picture, folks, if a politician does this, is this really the end of the world? Like. <laughs> Like really? <laughs> Clearly, in our in our society, I'm not sure. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about facial recognition technology and any other questions you have for Dr. Jason Berryman. He's our uh, artificial intelligence and tech expert here on the show. He joins us every month to uh, to scare us, to uh, inform. inform us, and I empower. should say, inform, empower. Even though it can be a little bit uh, frightening. So coming up. Facial recognition uh, technology. What does that have to do with the sex trade? That's coming up. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Sex technology or sex tech segment, Dr. Jason Behrman, spelled B-E-H-R-M-A-N. N-N. N-N-N-N, sorry. Two N's. N-N, right. Uh, B-E-H-R-M-A-N-N, who is a marketing communication specialist and artificial intelligence and tech expert who can be found at... Oh, you could uh, look for me on, on LinkedIn. I, I really like uh, people connecting, sending me a message there. Uh, I'm also on uh, Twitter. That would be a good, good one. Yeah, so, so you're, those two are your J favorite Behrman, ones, right? PhD, yeah. All right, great. Uh, so, Dr. Behrman, uh, let's talk about the facial recognition technology. So this technology has exploded on the scene now, and it's becoming increasingly uh, common and quite popular. So on a more kind of Orwellian level, the Chinese <laughs> government now has implemented Again? the Chinese government. Yes. Okay. So they now have taken like recorded pictures of pretty much every one of their citizens and now there's a databank. And visitors. I, I just want to mm-hmm. point out I was in China a little mm-hmm. while ago and every time we crossed mm-hmm. uh, you know because I went from one city to another city facial recognition they take mm-hmm. your picture they take your picture coming back in they yep. know every move you make. Many countries use this technology now when you first enter at, at the border um, and it's it's a way to just keep track of like who comes in who goes right. out if somebody commits a crime or something, you know, it, right, it could right, be very right. helpful. Um, but so it has lots of positive benefits of to use the technology, but it can also be used for a lot of harmful reasons. And so there's some people that like the technology has become so readily available now. This is advanced artificial intelligence that makes this possible, by the way. Um, some people are doing DIY apps where uh, that has this technology embedded in it. And one of them is called Fine Face. So what you could do is you could take a picture of someone that you do not know and the app will analyze it and then it will do a screening on common social 
social media platforms and try to find that person so that you could then like you know know who they are and find like gain a way to connect with them and contact them whoa so, that's like the police stuff when they do the facial recognition on those crime shows you know they're going through their database and they're like yeah, so this technology is technically used for people where, like, you see someone in the newspaper or you'd be like, oh, my gosh, I know that person from my past, but I don't know their name. You know, I wish I could find a way to connect with them. So that's typically how people use it. But like you described, it has been used in the past where it identified to arsonists, where they took security uh, footage and then they put it into the app and they were able to identify them on social media and then arrest wow. them. Wow. Okay. So don't do anything bad because they'll find you. Uh, so it got a little bit bad and creepy so a bunch of fundamentalist weirdos they used a fine face and they took images of women on escort sites and on um, adult sites or por through pornographic videos and they put their images of these women into the app and they were able to identify them their names and then were able to identify their addresses and other contact information oh and they became targets for horrible harassment and um, they contacted their family members and friends to say like oh, look who is a, a prostitute or look at this immoral person. Did you know that, you know, your oh aunt was goodness. this or that? And it is just horrible. And it raises a lot of questions for all of us in society. Sure, uh, sex trade workers and like female sex trade workers in general, they're quite vulnerable. And a lot of people in society have a very negative impression of them or, uh, and, you know, negative views towards them. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they, they can't become a target for this kind sure. of violence. But if it could happen to them, like what is stopping some other weirdo like taking a picture of you on the metro or something and then trying... Right, to identify your you name down. and track right. you down. So, okay, um, this is really Jason. This is the this is the most frightening thing. It's like, it's really me, unfortunate, is... and you know it's a new technology. We don't really have the regulations out there now to protect us from somebody abusing it. Right. And what's also of concern is that um, we know that the police is using this technology quite a bit, and we don't exactly know because like the police and the government. Um, they will not divulge their strategies for finding criminals or criminal activity, okay. but we can tell from certain events that have happened that they're doing it. So like, for example, like the Boston marathon bombing, uh -huh. like how did they catch those two youths? Like so quickly, you know, like uh -huh. people started to scratch their head. Like, Hmm, I wonder if they use that technology to do it. Well, we well, know through crime shows, mm -hmm. they're based on some truths. I would imagine these crime shows, but you don't they exactly use that technology. know. But, but anyways, um, yeah, we know that the government, <laughs> the U S government, for example, is funding, uh, research, into this technology and we know that the police are also using it and they're targeting sex trade workers because there was one sex trade worker for example in new york city where the police just showed up at her door one day and they weren't there to arrest her for uh doing sex trade work but they were asking her like oh are you okay because we want to see if you might have been um a victim of human trafficking because that's quite associated with oh, the sex trade industry okay, now right, right. and so she kind of deduced what they did was they found her profile on one of these escort sites and they thought that mm, maybe she could be uh, targeted for human trafficking took her photo used the facial recognition to then find her like actual like prof uh, like working profile her dating profile and other information and they were able to slap that all together and then eventually identify her location and she's like whoa wow. where the heck did this come from and yeah whoa so is Right. right.
I wanted to share a couple of texts here, uh, Dr. Jason. Uh, what I don't like about these dating apps, including the paid ones, is that there are fake profiles that mm-hmm. seem so inviting that it makes you want to pay. I received very few replies, and I had asked some to just respond that they were not interested, and none, none did so. Uh, P.S. I have a boyfriend now, and those apps are off my phone. Mm-hmm. So it's true. This is the way mm-hmm. they get you, right, to... Uh well, social media in general and dating apps, I would say, is part of social media or social networks. Um, we know that there is a problem with bots, so like fake users that are just automated computer code that is working. Uh, they're pretty common, and these but social they come media with sites... pictures of people. Oh yeah, you okay. would you, if if you're not very scrupulous and you don't know what to look for, you could be easily fooled uh, into thinking that you're actually talking with a real human. Um, this was like the whole propaganda stuff that I was talking right, right, about right, on a right, past right. episode. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and the sexual narratives there. Um, yeah, and there are other profiles of people that claim to be a certain person, and they're not really. And they could be trying to entice you to do something that would compromise uh, your standing in society. Like if you send them a willy pick, like we described, yeah. and then they could they turn around. I want to talk to... about that next time. If we could talk about the dick pics. And I also want to talk about, if you can look into it, uh, the um, the romance scams on social media and like maybe we can give advice to people what to look for oh boy yeah that's quite the topic i know but like what to look for as warning signs i think it's really really important so can i just conclude very quick very Um, quick it's interesting that a lot of this technology of facial recognition has come out of silicon valley and it's interesting that san francisco at the heart of uh, silicon valley has banned their police force from using facial recognition technology so isn't that ironic (laughs) isn't that ironic dr jason Behrman, thank you so much. Uh, you can find him on LinkedIn uh, and on social media at Dr. Jason uh, Behrman, B-E-H-R-M-A-N-N. He's our artificial intelligence and tech expert here every month. Uh, thank you so much for spending your precious time with us. Thanks to Brian Callisar, our technical producer. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Betito, B-E-T-I-T-O, or go to my website, drlori.com. Send me your emails, your questions, your sex questions, relationship questions. I'll be happy to help you. Coming up next here on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, and remember to live your life with passion. Just dance.